0: Things, things kind of changed in the atmosphere this morning, and uh, God is is moving like I, you know when when brother Tony got up, it, it was almost like me talking and and, I, I, and, it, and that was a good word for me. I don't know if that was a good word for you. That was a good word for me because I wonder sometimes, well, why am I talking to him then if he's not close to me? Whether whether it's why, or what in the world's going on, Lord, or what what's happening, but He's there, and we're talking to Him, and and it woke me up this morning because there's sometimes when we're talking to Him and and sometimes we're thinking, well, what's going on here? We feel far away from You, Lord, but He's never been closer. Amen. He's never been closer. Can you say Amen to that? You know, God is so good, and I I know that I tell you all this not by works, yet I work. You know, I do that. You know, and then I'm going to go back to James where he says, you know, be ye a doer of the word. And he said, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. He says, by my works. You know, he said, I'll show you that faith. And so then that tells us all that, you know, we need to work. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying when faith came down inside of me and the love of God came inside of me, I just love working for him. Can't help. <laughs> can't help it. Can't help it. That, he's saying that. He's, he's not saying I, I got work so I can get to heaven. He's saying, man, when God came down inside of me and the love of God came down inside, I can't do enough for him. Amen. Right? And he's saying, so you know, he said, if you love God, how come you're not doing nothing for Him, right? Now, you know, and and Tony even mentioned the dog. My dog getting old. When we got that dog, that dog's old. You know, that dog's old anyway. And I knew that dog was old. Nancy liked that dog, and I thought, you know, if that dog gonna bring her some peace, then, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And bring that dog. Well, he's getting older every day. And he just just laying around and doing all the stuff, and he, he just waiting to go to dog heaven, if there's such a thing as dog heaven. He's waiting to do that. And, you know, I looked at that old dog this morning, and i said, you know what, dog? You're getting old, you know. And, and, but I looked at that old dog, and, and, and I just kind of saw peace on that old dog. And the peace, the peace on that old dog was because he was in our house, and, and, and we was his family. Seriously, that's what it was. And and I looked at him and I said that old dog he can't he's got arthritis he can't hardly get up and the whole route and I knew he's an old dog when we got him and and uh, I've been through God has just taught me so much through that old dog and y'all remember when he got hit by the car and I prayed for him and yes. that old dog and and uh, I, I watch that old dog and I watch him lay there and, and he looks at me like don't feel sad for me I know that you don't believe that but he looks at me like it's all right. And you know what? The Lord spoke to me, and he said this. He said, I, I'll take care of that old dog. He said, well, I love you more. He said, I'll take care of you. He said, don't you worry about a thing? And when we get to that place, it's kind of like we're worrying. Am I right, Tony? We start to worry just a little bit. And we know that worry is not part of us. Worry, the, the Lord teaches us not to have anxiety. He teaches us not to worry. But yet, we, we do. We do. And he doesn't hold that against us. We think, oh, I'm worried. I'm sinning. And and God says, listen, all you want to do is just trust me. He said, now, if you'll trust me and have faith in me, it'll take your worry away. Because you can't trust God and worry. You can't do it. You can't say, God, you're God, and then worry. You know, you can't say, God, you created the heavens and the earth, but you can't take care of me. You can't say that. But our whole heart says that. And then all of a sudden... We might do something that we shouldn't have done. We might say something we shouldn't have said. We might think something we shouldn't have thought. Amen? Come, I know y'all perfect. I'm talking about myself, you know. And, and things of that nature happen, and then all of a sudden I start to feel condemned. Well, you know what? I ought to, ought to know automatically when I start to feel condemned, God's not in that. Do you understand that? God is not in that because I was condemned of my sin by the Holy Spirit. And when I was condemned of my sin by the Holy Spirit, when he said, you're guilty. And I said, okay, what's going to happen? He said, you're going to die. You're going to die for crimes and for sins that's done in that body. And so then I, the old man dies. And then God puts within me a new man who's born again. See, that's that's all about the cross. You know, we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom enough. The gospel is, there's more to the gospel than what we think. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And so that's why Jesus prayed this. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are kingdom people and God wants us to live like kingdom people and not like earthy people. He says, set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. Amen. And so when we start to set our affections on things of this earth, right, things start to go haywire in our life. And, you know, then we, then we try to fix it. Yeah. Anybody like me, you try to fix it? Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. We try to fix it, and we kind of just make it worse. Yeah. Right? Like, like you pay a credit card off and I'm never going to do that again and max it right out. I got some giggles on that one. Yeah. You know, you know pay that off and I'm never going to do that again. Next thing you know, you max that card out again. Okay? See, the thing of it is, we, we, we say we're not going to do some things. Then we turn right around and we do it again. And then because we've done it, we try to fix it. And see, here's what Jesus said. Now, listen to what he said He said, I fixed it at the cross. He said, I fixed you at the cross. And when you received me as your personal Savior, listen to what he says. He said, I took my blood and I covered you. And when my Father looks at you, he sees me. He sees the blood that covers you. He does not see your sin and transgression no more when you take him as your personal Savior. That's the cross. That's what the devil doesn't want to get out. That when you got saved, there were all kinds of things that happened in you. Now pay attention here. This is not even written down. What's written down is in this book. This book. I'm reading out this book today. Get amen on that. Now, this, this book came out of this book, but this book didn't come out of that book. Got it? So listen to what this book says. It says, "Amen." I got that. It says in verse 19, we shall know by this that we are of truth and shall assure our hearts before him in whatever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God is greater than your heart. And even though you don't understand it, we talk about the heart, we talk about love. The heart is a deceiver. It is. People get married, okay, and they're in lust. They they call it love, but they call it lust. You see, because in my years, I've only come up with two things that make a successful marriage. Two things. And none of it has to do with romance. None of, none, none of it has to do with lust, romance. Two things, two things. Can you live with her and do you trust her? Can you live with him and do you trust him? That's it. That's the two things right there. And then if you can live with them, you're, you're you're compatible as one, and you can trust each other, my goodness, that opens up an avenue of every single thing. Because see, here's here's what happens anymore. You don't want your parent to pick your husband or wife, young people. I love in I love in school when I say, I, I'm gonna pick your husband. Oh no, you're not. No, no, no. No, uh uh-uh, uh, no. I'll pick my own. See, we have this idea of romance, and romance has only been around for a couple of hundred years. Well, it has. Romance always brought people trouble. Romance always brought, brought adultery, fornication, and all those things in. See, the way it used to be was you had a daddy and a mom. And so the dad said, let's find him a good wife. Oh, we don't do that no more. Let's find him a good wife. How many of you older people now, because you're older and you're wiser, feel that you could have picked a better, or you could have picked for your kid? There you go. That's better, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because you knew that child. You knew what was going on. didn't have nothing to do with romance, what it had to do with. If you picked out the right person for them, they'd fall in love with each other because they were compatible. Well, see, what happens is our heavenly father chose for his son a bride. And when he chose for his son a bride, he chose us. Humankind. So God says this. My son needs a bride. And he doesn't have a bride. So I'm going to create for him a bride. But that bride will have to be cleansed and washed by the water of the word before he can take her. So when you get over to Ephesians and you get into the marriage, that is not, the apostle Paul is not teaching marriage to us through the book of Ephesians. If you want to know teaching on marriage, then go over to Colossians. Go over to, I think, in somewhere in the writings of Peter. Right now, my brain is not coming up with it. But don't go to the book of Ephesians. Because the book of Ephesians, when he, he's talking about marriage, he's not talking about how you should operate in marriage. He's talking about how marriage operates. How many of you got a hold of that? And he's giving us, he's, this is the illustration, and what he's saying, he's saying, this is how marriage operates. And so, because if you take marriage and it's working right, it is the same relationship that Jesus has with the church. And so all Paul is doing in the writings of Ephesians is teaching us how to draw closer unto the Lord what our part in this relationship is because he's showing us what Jesus' relationship with us is all about. And it says this, it says that first of all what he does, he washes her by the word. How many of you understand that? Now listen to what he says to the husbands. He says, now listen, husbands, this is what Jesus did for you, for us. Just like you did when you married your wife, this is what Jesus did. He laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for me. And so listen to what he said. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. All he's saying, he's saying with this analogy is that Christ loved us, died for us, laid down his life for us, and we didn't deserve it. Period. We didn't deserve it. And any marriage that you have to work at and make someone deserve who you are is not a marriage made in heaven. Hello! Hello! How many of you got a hold of that? Whenever your wife has to prove to you or whenever your husband has to prove to you, you're out of order. How many of you got a hold of that? Because what God wants you to do is understand his son as the bridegroom. And his son laid down his life for us that we might have life and it might be a life that brings glory to his father. How many of you understand that? There's nothing better than when a father can say, Man, my wife, I mean my son married good. Or my or my daughter married good. There's nothing better than a father and a mother than being able to say, whoa, they married good. Right? Nothing worse than when a father is disappointed. Disappointed. So he says, he says, listen. Now he says, now why have she said? I'm going to give you a little hint. Be su- Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now, why didn't he just say, Submit yourself unto your husband? He said unto your own husband, because he didn't say that Marie Jones had to be submissive to me. She needs to be submissive to her own husband. So we, we, we have this context in our relationships now uh, that women are supposed to be submissive to men. Not so... Not so. My wife don't need to be submissive to any man in here. Oh, pastor, not to one man in here. And if my wife is submissive to any man in here, she's out of order. You women who are married only need to be submissive to a pastor, but not to me as a man. How many of you understand that? Do you understand that? There is a submission as a pastor taken, and that's not in the confines of a relationship, but when it comes to being submissive to me, women, you don't have to be submissive to me. You need to respect me, but you don't need to be submissive to me. The Bible says be submissive to your own husband because see, understand what happened in the Garden of Eden. Eve was submissive to the devil. When she should have just been submissive, to her husband. And then her husband should have operated as God told him to operate. Now, men, if we would operate like God told us to operate, we wouldn't have all these problems. So, just, Jesus lays down his heart. I mean, lays down his life. And he didn't say that you had to meet any, speci- any special qualities. Am I right? You didn't have to meet any specifications. All you had to do was just come to him. Because God had a plan. And God's plan was the church was going to be and is the bride of Christ. Somebody say amen to that. So what happens is this bride has to be washed. So he washes her by the water of the word. Am I, am I right, Pastor Don? I'm still right. Okay, as long as he's re- doing this, when these older men are doing this, I'm saying, oh, I'm okay. But when they go, mm, I'm saying, okay, let me back up, go another way. So this is what he's saying. And so he's saying to the women, he's saying, he's saying, Love your husbands. Love them. He, the Apostle Paul says to Titus, he said, Have the older, the, 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 the older ladies teach the younger ladies how to love their husbands and how to love their children. Isn't that amazing that he says that? He, you know, he never says, Have the older men teach the younger men how to love. You know that? But it is women. Women need it. Yeah, yeah, they do. Women women don't care for pretty faces. Men do. The sin is not when you see that pretty girl walking down the street. The sin is when you wreck your car because you done looked at her going by. <laughs> you understand that? Because the is gonna tempt you. He does do that. I never think of anything don't give me that stuff. We're human. So then, what happens? We find ourselves in a situation because we don't let God have it all. And so, we find ourselves in situations. Some of you are in situations right now. And what's happening right now is your heart is condemning you. How many of you understand that? But John here says something that's amazing. First of all, he's going to speak about truth, and truth is going to set me free. Jesus said it's the truth that will set you free or make you free. It's the truth. It's the truth. So what is the truth? The truth is the word of God. You just want to be free. You want to be free of the things which bind you. I do. And then when I'm free from those things that has bound me, I'm not going to say that I never get bound again, but when I realize that something's binding me, I shake it off and give it to the Lord. I don't like to live with, with change. Somebody say amen. amen. You know what? We don't, we don't chain our dog. We don't chain our dog. So we went on a little camping trip for the last two days, and we had to put our dog on a cable. That dog didn't like that. He did not like that. He was upset with me. I knew he was upset with me. I could tell that. So he had come over only when I was eating. Now, most times if I'm sitting down in a chair, that dog always comes over because it likes for me to love on him a little bit, right? But he didn't when I'd sit down. Now, if I had something in my hand, he would because he knew I was going to give it to him, right? But he didn't like being on that chain. He did not like being bound because he's not used to being bound. And listen, we need to be that way. We should get... Right now, we don't want to be bound by any chain because the Lord has given us freedom. Now listen to what John says. He says, now he says, we'll get ourselves into a place where our heart is condemning us. And listen, anytime that you're condemned and you're a born-again Christian, that's not a God. I I I'm coming to a conclusion on something. I might be wrong, and so you can set me straight. But There's four things that take place with salvation. And the first thing that takes place with salvation is redemption. That's being redeemed and bought back by the blood of the Lamb. I was lost in sin. I was a slave. And when I give my heart to the Lord, he redeemed me back. He redeemed me. He bought me back. Because he was the ransom. He paid the price. Listen to what happened. He took my sins upon himself and nailed them to the cross. He took my robe of humanity upon himself and nailed it to the cross. Isn't that a shame that you might be sitting in your sin right now and die and stand before the great white judgment throne of God and all the time, you're, Jesus is saying, do you not know I died for you? Receive me as your saviour. Your sin is not what's going to keep you out of heaven. Your sin because Jesus Christ died for sin. It's not going to keep you out of heaven. What's going to keep you out of heaven is not taking the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior who died for you. That's why men are going to go to hell. Men are not going to go to hell because of sin. Sin was covered by the blood taken care of. Every one of you. But I'm not saying every one of you is going to go to heaven. Because if you haven't received him as your Lord and personal Savior, listen to me. Heaven's not yours. That's the way that is. First thing that happens when you get saved is you get redeemed. Become a child of God. Second thing that happens is you get delivered from all things. Third thing that happens is you get healed. And the fourth thing that happens is you get to be raised from the dead. Listen are the four things. Sue Graywell is not with us because either this morning or last night, I think it was this morning, her oldest granddaughter in New Jersey had a really bad ATV accident. Threw her through the windshield. She's got head trauma like they don't expect her to live. She's on a plane flying out right now to be with her granddaughter. She said, Pastor, pray. We're going to pray because, listen to me, God's a healer. That's what took place when Sue gave her heart to the Lord. She calls on God. And I told her we'd call on God with her. Yes. That's pretty neat. But now listen to this. So the Lord was dealing with me about something. All this week, he's been dealing with me about repenting. Everybody say repent. repent. Right, you know what repent means? It means to turn from sin and turn to God. Sin in the world, there's the cross, and I turn to it. So Paul says something about repenting and he says repent with godly sorrow well to repent with godly sorrow is different than just saying i repent how many of you get a hold of that because there's a deep deep grief that comes inside of us and a sorrow which burns inside of us because we have sinned against holy spirit and there's a grief that takes place and that's why when a man falls on his face and he's sobbing is because the Holy Spirit's breaking him to pieces because he's going to put him back together and do something really good in this man. And, and, and Christians need to repent. You understand that? And so what happens is I'm looking at something. Well, listen, if, if I repent and it means I turn from sin and turn to God, then I'm never, never going to do that again. Instantly through repentance, I've been delivered. I haven't really ever looked at it in that way before. I repent, I turn away from it. But repentance means that God got a hold of my mind and there's been a change in my mind and in my heart there's been a change in my mind which is called the renewing of the spirit of my mind and God has renewed me in himself and now I have the mind of Christ and God wants to mature me as a we are son with the mind of Christ. Because when I'm in sin, I can't have the mind of Christ. Because sin and and Christ, they don't don't exist together. Listen, sin, even in Christians, separate us from the Lord. Sin separates us. You you mean I'm lost? No, it separates your relationship with Jesus, and it's Jesus you want to have the relationship with. You know, God doesn't turn his head when you sin. He's looking right at it. You understand that? I mean, a man goes out and commits fornication or he commits adultery. It it isn't like God said, oh, I can't look at that. God's standing right there. He's still God. How many of you understand? He sees everything that's going on in this world, and he's not in agreement with it. Yes, by the way, he's bringing judgment to the United States because of it. People say, God doesn't do that. Yes, he does. Sin separates him from people and will separate him from nations. How many of you got a hold of that? But so then I I get weak in my spirit and I sin. And I think, oh, no, I'm lost. It's over. You see, that's where we we get messed up. Because John says, now look, what the devil's done has deceived your heart. He's deceived your heart. Man, I I appreciate y'all listening to me this morning. Seriously. He has deceived your heart. But he said, i got some good news for you. God is greater than your heart. God's greater than your heart. I'm born again. Listen to me. Here's what I want you to understand. God didn't choose you as the bride. Because you're perfect, He chose you as the bride because you come into His kingdom and was covered by the blood of the Lamb, and you made the perfect bride for His Son. Well, what happens with me when I don't do right? God's greater than your heart. He clean you up in the instant, in a moment, if you just come to Him. Because understand this: Would you pay attention with me just for a little bit more? When Jesus comes. He's coming for a glorious church Dressed in white He's coming for a church A glorious church without wrinkle Without spot Without stain He's coming for a church That he washed white And cleansed and made whole And you say that's not me Yes that is you And all he said to He said this He said repent Repent He's saying that to pastors today. Why don't you repent, pastor, and start preaching the kingdom of Jesus. People don't want good fuzzy feelings all the time. They want to know how to get out of sin and not get back in it. They want to know how how to be delivered from alcoholism, pornography, and all those things and not get back in it. You might be guilty of some of those things, and you might be ashamed. Listen, all you got to do is turn around and look at God and trust Him, and use, listen, He'll deliver you from all of that just through repentance itself. We 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 look at abortion and we talk about abortion so bad that the woman who's had one doesn't want to get around us because she feels so guilty. All you have to tell that woman is, the Lord will forgive you. He'll cleanse you, he'll wash you, he'll make you white as snow. I'm going to do a wedding here in a couple weeks. And I don't like to do weddings. But I'm going to do a wedding in a couple weeks. And these people's past is not pretty. Before they got saved, their past was not pretty. But they give their hearts to the Lord and they changed. And I'm able to look at that woman and say, you know what? God chastened you as a virgin. Yeah, he did. Same with the man. Say, this is what God's done. He's done that for you. He does. Well, how does that happen, Pastor? When you give him your heart, when you took him as your personal Savior, he cleansed you, washed you, made you white as snow, and put a garment on you that is only fit for a bride to be with his son. Somebody say amen to that. We used to sing this song, we shall see the king when he comes. He's coming in power. Oh, hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. He's, my, my kids, when they was growing up in this real little, we got them on tape singing, we shall, we shall see the king when it comes. Well, we, we're almost like that, aren't we? But it's when he comes, he's coming. He can fix anything that's wrong with you. Fix anything that's wrong with you. He can fix anything that's wrong with me. He can fix it. And he can fix it instantly. And how does he fix it instantly? Listen, there's an altar right here. And a bowed knee at that altar and laying it at the feet of Jesus, instantly he fixes that thing. Instantly he fixes that thing. You get on your knees. You got something. I don't care that you're saved. I think one of the worst teachings that we have is that we're saved now and we don't. Listen, in 1 John 1 9, he said, Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Because God is faithful to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from unrighteousness. That's what it says. It's the cross. It's the cross. Why do we have the cross? Because we need to have everybody see the cross. People need to see the cross. He can heal you. He'll save you. He'll deliver you. Let's stand this morning. Harold, bring your worship team up here. God is good. Now, quit counseling, Pastor Don. I quit counseling. And... And I came up with this idea that I wasn't going to counsel no more because God saves people. And they don't need counseling. They need Jesus. I come up with that. Well, I've changed my mind. People need counseling. And the counseling they need is Jesus Christ is still on the throne and he'll still heal you. That's the counseling that we need. Because Christians go astray. Right? You know when he says, thou anointest my head with oil? You know why he says that? Because they had a snake called an asp. And it was deadly. And if it bit you, you're going to die, period. You're just going to die. That's how deadly it was. But there was something about that deadly snake. It doesn't like the smell of the anointing oil. Now, isn't that amazing? They don't like the smell of the anointing oil. Now, if you want to read about that anointing oil, go back in the book of Exodus and read about that anointing oil. And do you know three-fourths of that anointing oil is bitter? Only a quarter of that anointing oil is sweet. It's bitter. And so God shows them how to make this anointing oil. Now, isn't this amazing? Now, the psalmist David says, Thou anointest my head with oil. And so that shepherd would take and anoint the head of the sheep and then he'd go around and look for the hole of that old deadly snake, that deadly asp, and he'd pour that anointing oil around that hole. And that snake could not stand the smell of that anointing oil. See, he wouldn't come out of that hole. He can't, he, yeah, he can't, stand, he can't stand the anointing oil and so that shepherd not only did that, but he anointed the head of that sheep every morning, because that sheep was stupid like we are. Just want to eat. You know, cattle cattlemen hate sheep because they sheep and pull up, pull it up by the roots. Cattle cattle break it off and eat it, but a sheep want, Sheep eats a root and all. They they hate they hate sheep because of that. And so, so it's amazing. So that, them old sheep, they're just eating. And they don't pay no attention to nothing. And here comes that snake. And that sheep is just eating. And as soon as that sheep, I mean as soon as that snake smells the anointing oil, he goes the other way. David said, Thou anointest my head with oil. <laughs> when my heart deceives me because I've just been eating and not looking up, kind of made a fool of myself, maybe even fell over a cliff, my head is still anointed with oil. And that old devil doesn't mess with the anointing. Thou anointest my head with oil. he will work for you this morning. It'll work for you. He says this, when my heart deceives me, God is greater than my heart. Can I give you just one more footnote? The reason why Paul writes to the Ephesians about marriage is because that woman might say something to that man, or that man might say something to that woman, because words hurt. Words hurt. And when they do that, then the old heart starts to deceive well, they don't love you no more. And next thing you know, all kinds of things take place because the heart deceives. Not knowing the greater condemnation comes then once you have stepped into a consequence of sin. But Jesus says, even when your heart condemns you, the truth is greater than your heart. And the truth is, Thou anointest my head with oil. The truth is, he's Lord, he's Savior. That's the truth. The truth is this, that he said, when he saved me, he saved me. Now, how do I get through this thing? Easy. Repent. Harold, go ahead. John the Revelator says to the churches... He said, Man, God finds all kinds of things against you. But if you'll repent, you can set in my kingdom. If you'll repent and come back to your first love. But people confess sin, but they don't repent from sin. Repent means you come to God. And you say, you know what, God, I'm guilty of this sin. And I'm repenting today. I'm turning from it, and I'm turning to you. Anxiety and worry is nothing that wants to take your life early. It's it's death itself. Repent from anxiety and worry. Give it to God. Repent. Let's go to prayer. Father God, we thank you. Father, we're going to open up these altars. And people today are going to come and repent. And then, Father God, I'm going to open up my office. And I'm going to set appointments up so we can draw these people closer to you. Father God, right now, you are God. And David said, your mercy endureth forever. But one day, you're going to be ultimate judge. Let us fall on your mercy today. Let us fall on your grace today. And we'll give you praise.